This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everybody. Um, I am here um, going live today with a dear friend, Mari Andrew, who I just, I'm like low-key obsessed with. Um, so we're going to wait here for Mari to join us, and we're going to go live together. And... Um, yeah, I don't get to do very many joint lives, so I'm really excited. I'm excited for us to do it. We're going to talk about the Enneagram letters. We're going to hang out. You're going to watch me be absolutely um, obsessed with Mari. So that's that's just to be expected. And um, yeah, but how are you all doing? Let me know in the comments below. Give me like a thumbs, you know, a thumbs up, thumbs down scale on how you're doing today. And um yeah, what do people ask? Like, I always get like, where are you from? Tell us where you're from, where you're watching from. Hi from Atlanta. Hello from Orlando. Hello. Hi. 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 I love your face. <laughs> That's always the hardest part. Getting on, I had to. I it's a journey. Phone access, but we're here. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I'm so excited to see you. You, I know. I was thinking this will be kind of like just to be like that, where other people are just joining. I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, my beautiful friend Sarah Jane. If anyone's coming over from my page, is obviously human embodiment of sunshine. For <laughs> how I think about her, I also think about her as just such a wise, warm. Oh, just profound being on this earth taught me so much. Also, the Enneagram queen. <laughs> That's how I talk about you too. You have so many things, so many things. Just funny and delightful and wonderful. And the author of two books. Yeah. And you just published last month the Enneagram Letters. It is such a special book. And please, everyone, do yourself, do your inner child, do your inner teenager the biggest favor and get this book. It's so special. It's so beautiful. Thank you. When I think about creativity as an act of service, which I, 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 <laughs> I try to think about it that way. Um, this book is that, like this book is to the world. And I can just heart you put into it. And thank you so much for writing it. Thank you for sending me one. 
Um, I remember when I got it probably two months ago now, I, I was so excited. I unwrapped it really quickly in my kitchen. My boyfriend and I were both looking at it and we both felt so seen. And mm. felt like, how are you writing about my anxieties? Is <laughs> I wouldn't have even put words to. And I wasn't even going to ask this, but I'm so I'm so curious right now. Did you like get into method for for going through each enneagram type? Did you have to like, you know, fill fill your fill your room with different things that that each? How did you like embody each one so well? Oh, thank you. You know, I think first of all, I love that as an idea of like, well, if I just like filled my room, I feel like that's like a very um, what I love about like the four energy, right? Is like that like creating a vibe um <laughs> I I did like dedicate I wrote one piece at a time for sure like I spent like all the time on type seven and I was like okay I'm gonna live in that seven space and think about seven constantly and so I did dedicate like specific energy to each type but I don't know that I was like as cool as that I think it was more like I sat in silence a lot and like tried to just like think about the pain points of each type and like I like that you said childhood like your inner child because that was kind of who I wanted the book to be for that's who I was writing to um was like the part of you that's being so guarded you know or has to feel like it need we need to protect it yeah oh, I love mm -hmm. my four coming out of wanting <laughs> I would have like a it probably wouldn't be very like resonant for certain types though to set the entire scene. Um, I love it. Very like sacred and and sort of uh, like which which is wonderful. That's your beautiful ancient wisdom coming out. Um, <laughs> this is such an important book because I mean you've completely reimagined the any. For those of you not familiar with Enneagram, I don't think we need to get into the whole thing, but Sarah Jane has amazing posts about it. She has two pinned posts at the top of her page that teach you, you know, Enneagram in 60 seconds, how to find your type. So beautiful. But this book is really more of a deep dive for those of us who might be familiar with the structure or not. You don't have to know the book by any means. Uh, my boyfriend knows zero about it but I, I was like read chapter nine and <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've reimagined the Enneagram as something um just so different than than I've ever heard about before and I will say I've I've loved using the Enneagram as a tool for many years it really resonated with me I'm a four Sarah Jane's a seven <laughs> FYI everyone and um I felt it, you know, it, it just spoke to me so deeply, but it was almost mm -hmm. point kind of a party trick. It's like, um, mm -hmm. oh, you know, here's, here's my traits um, that mm -hmm. I resonate with. And it's almost kind of that energy of like, um, oh, I'm, I can diagnose, you know, my friends and I can mm -hmm. talk about myself in this way. And people who read the descriptions are going to be like, oh, that's Mari. And, it didn't feel, it, it definitely helped me with empathy and, and, you know, learning everyone's different. We all have different motivations. But you're thinking about it and honestly self-help in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. Something that, um, you know, like 
we need to to grow in these specific areas where we're lacking but it's almost like we need to take off a burden in order to shine more brightly so can you talk about the way that you reimagined this this incredible framework and mm-hmm. um yeah we'll start there and then i'll, I'll ask yeah. Yeah. Um, So I, yeah, I think of the Enneagram, I think a lot of times when I approached the Enneagram, it was like, um, initially it was like, oh, this is who I am. I feel so seen. Now you know me. And then the second half of it was like, oh, everything about my personality is bad and wrong. And the things that kind of come as impulses to that type are, should be rejected. And I think it's much more now, I think of it much more as this pressure we're carrying around, like this like unnecessary burden. And so if for me, that's like, I have to be satisfied and happy all the time, which sounds really great, right in theory, but is actually quite a burden because it's, it puts a lot of pressure on my relationships. It's a lot of pressure on my job. Like if it, anything feels bad, right? Like I'm going to want to change it really fast, which ends up being ultimately very stressful. And so if you can like hold that space and just go, okay, this is a pressure that I feel like I have to carry, but I am not that, right? Like I get to be so much more than that. I get to choose how I respond at any given moment to the stimulation that life provides me. And I get to operate out of any of the Enneagram types. And like, sometimes maybe it's more suitable for me, right? Like I would love to have tapped into that four energy of like really setting a tone, setting a vibe for myself, um, or tapping into that three energy of really being much more strategic as a person. And at times, you know, these things are necessary. And I think oftentimes we think like, okay, there's this step-by-step trajectory of where I'm supposed to go in order to like be a better person. But what if like, you're fine? Like, what if like you aren't like this like project or this, you know, you're not like an origami swan that like needs to be put together. Like you're just perfectly fine as you are. And you actually get to just release who all, who you thought you had to be this whole time and get to just be whatever you actually are. And then we're not working so hard at being a person. And instead, we get to just enjoy the beauty that life has for us instead of trying to turn ourselves into something that's worthy of that. When we're already, that's already there. Like, we already have that. We already get to, to be in that space. Oh, guys, this is actually who Sarah Jane is all the time. <laughs> this loving, being in her presence is like being hugged by the sky. It's like you so okay. And I thought when I was reading this beautiful book, again, the Enneagram letters available wherever books are sold. Um, it just makes so much sense that you are the chosen one to write this. <laughs> you um you call yourself a passionate advocate for your loving relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. I can't think, I mean, I write, I read a lot of like self-help books of, of other people who really truly feel that way. Like me and, and so many, I think so many of my followers and your followers were probably naturally really interested in this, you know, self-help and like mm-hmm. bettering ourselves. And we're, we're in this endless quest to really understand ourselves. Maybe we mm-hmm 
misunderstood as kids. And, um, you know, we're always trying to get to the heart of who we really are. And also probably resonates with us in a very real way that like, we're not whole as we are. And that's very, mm-hmm. you know, that'll sell a book. Like you're not, mm-hmm. you could be, so here's some tools. You're, mm-hmm. we are fine as we are. There are things that we can release in order to, mm-hmm. um, you know, really like actually use our gifts. And, and I also love that you talk about, you know, we, we embody all the traits of the Enneagram. This is like, you know, something where, oh, it's certainly not putting anyone in a box. It's saying you, you might have this burden that you've taken on that you actually don't have to carry. Mm-hmm. So I was actually wondering um, if you could tell me about your own history with self-help, because mm-hmm. again, like very appealing genre to me, I think for many people. And I noticed in this book, I was like, this is, this is so radical. Like it's saying, you don't need steps. You don't need to become something else. You actually just more of yourself, which is so beautiful. So have you have you been into like self help for a while? And I honestly like it's almost embarrassing. Like I look back at like my middle school journals, you know, and they're like full of like in the, in the book I talk about like they're full of like chicken soup for the soul, but like quotes. Like I was uh, so into it like fan like big fan and like you know it started so young for me and I think that like I honestly tie it a lot to like diet culture energy and how like that sense of like I should constantly be restricting I should constantly be controlling myself and I think that it gave me a sense I think it was I want to be clear it was so helpful right like I grew up in kind of a chaotic environment. So having a a tether to purpose, right? And having a tether to like a project, even if that project was me, um, I found a lot of stability in because I couldn't get stability in my external world, right? So that was beautiful. And I'm so grateful that that served me at the time. But then as like life changed and I grew, I started to recognize that that same energy and it's almost in that same like diet restrictive sense of like, I constantly need to be less of myself. I constantly need to be smaller. I need to be um, like less whole in order to be palatable to people or to the world. And in that process, right? Like I started, I'm a pendulum growth person, right? Like it's like, I'm over here in this extreme and then I learn a new thing and I go, let's go all the way over here into this fun extreme. And eventually, right? Like find myself somewhere, hopefully in the middle of, you know, I might swing back and forth a few times. But as I started to learn the Enneagram, I started to notice some of the things that I thought were just great about me right? Like these things that like, I'm very fast on my feet. I'm a great pivoter. I'm positive thinker. Um, I tend to be generally like a happy, kind person. And I started to see the dark side of that, right? The shadow of it, which is like, um, you know, leaving things too quickly. It's, um, burning bridges really fast because something didn't feel good to me in a moment. Um, it's quitting jobs too quickly because it didn't feel good in that moment. Or, um, you know, maybe not going as deep as I really want to because I'm spreading myself so laterally. And so recognizing that was so helpful, right? Because it's like, there are ways in which that's limiting my access to who I want to be in the world and how I want to show up. 
And at the same time, I started to like restrict the good and the bad because that's what the Enneagram is, right? It's like this, this observation of these are some of our really amazing strengths. When used at the wrong time and the wrong place, they can do harm to ourselves or to others or create stress in our lives that that's not necessary. And so recognizing that the shadow was there, I started to reject the positive as well and just go like, okay, everything about this is wrong. So I should not pivot. I should not have um, as much fun as I'm having. I shouldn't be so like positive all the time. I should really focus on what's hard about life and really like go into the darkness and like dive headfirst into the darkness. And that was illuminating for a while, but then it's like, actually some of these things about me are really great. <laughs> like I should really like them. So I found myself in that middle place. Right. And in that middle place, what I found was I was never wrong. Right. Like I was never just like inherently bad or broken or doing something. It was just like, I was carrying this constant pressure to be something that I wasn't in situations that maybe warranted a different response. I was like responding out of these same patterns over and over and over again. And the goal, right, is just to get to choose and to not have to just play the same role my whole life. I get to actually choose how I show up and choose which path I take instead of being controlled by those kind of automatic systems that are so well built, right? Like they're so easy. It's so much, it's just like natural and, and flows so much easier to do that. But it doesn't always serve us and it doesn't always get us the result that we're longing for, which I'll quickly say, like, I think sometimes, right, we're, we're settling for an illusion of the thing that we really want. So for me, I was seeking temporary momentary happiness instead of like long lasting, stable pleasure and joy that you can only really get from being in the present moment and actually feeling your feelings. Like, I was seeking just like, how can I feel good right now? And that was at the actual sacrifice of the thing I really wanted, which was like deep lasting joy. And I was almost writing myself out of my ability to have that. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. You just said like 25 really profound. Right, wrong. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to watch the replay. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk all day about the difference between happiness and joy. You're so right. <laughs> Or that's something to like joy for me is is the you know em embraces also the happy too <laughs> like you know you can't know great happiness without knowing great sorrow and for mm -hmm. having to kind of learn about the daily pleasures too so it's interesting mm -hmm. kind of end up in the same place mm -hmm. um, so interesting about this approach so you're you're essentially looking at each Enneagram type, which, um, you know, if anyone looks on like any, any Enneagram websites quiz, I highly encourage you to look at Sarah Jane's work instead of looking at some of these sites, uh, a lot more nuanced, but um, you know, they'll, they'll say a list of traits and they'll say a, a core motivation and a core fear. Mm -hmm. I found that really helpful because, you know, when you think about um, someone you know who does something that you would never do and you think why do you do that and then you think oh they have a different motivation than me that's been helpful for my you know empathy and I say if someone's um, if someone can't tell what type they are look at all the fears because that's you you know what you're like the scariest thing for you is probably your type mm -hmm. 
you're, you're so right that like you said in the book, you know, you could, all of these things are scary. All of the, the, the fears listed are scary. All of the motivations make sense. We all have a little bit of that. You're saying to find your type, find that, you know, why that thing is so scary for you. Why motivated to, in my case, you know, be, be extraordinary, whatever, be special. There's so many ways you can say. And so you're saying it's like the burden itself that can tell you what your type is as opposed to the, you know, list of, of the, the gifts and, and shadows because we all kind of have those, um, you know, expressions. Where did you come up with that? Was that part of the journey talking about where you were like, wait a second, this is restricting me. And how did you get that concept of, you know, each type really having this... <laughs> burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. There's a, a three part growth or like learning process here for me. Like the first piece was, um, there's this doctor who he's, um, like a neuro, Oh God. Like he studies the brain. He works with the brain <laughs> and he, um, Dr. Jerome, and he talks about how we have all Enneagram types in us because that's just how brain science works. Right? Like, um, we are not like, categorized like that we are we have quicker responses so he like sequences them so that's kind of my first introduction to the concept of like we have all the types in us and i so that was number one then also when we talk about enneagram growth as a system in all the trainings that i've done it's always like the more we grow the healthier we become the less we look like our type right like the more we start to look like all the numbers because we're not it's basically our coping skills, our coping mechanisms. And so we're meeting them less and less often. And so we get, we kind of start to soften them up um, as we grow. That paired with um, just needing a way to explain the Enneagram that was direct and simple, you know, finding the language that really I thought represented what that means. Um, I've heard people describe it as armor, right? Like this like guard, this protective mechanism. And I think of it more as like this, yeah, like this burden we have to carry around of that we're constantly in relationship to and constantly kind of trying to remind ourselves like you don't have to do that. You don't have to be morally perfect. You don't have to be helpful all the time. You don't have to be successful. Um, and then as I started exploring it as this pressure, um, I started thinking about how often we all experience a lot of these pressures to different degrees. I think, right, like women in society are trained to be twos. So often we're carrying this pressure that we need to be lovable. We need to be wantable because we're supposed to have like men pursuing us. Like it's in all of our media that we're supposed to be like the object of desire. And that's really the pressure of the two. But like most female identifying people in our society are carrying that with them. Um, and then as Americans, right, like in America, we have that three pressure just kind of put on us from birth, that you're supposed to be successful, you're supposed to do like this very traditional path to success. And so we're all kind of in relationship to that as well. And then we have family structures that have, you know, maybe really strong parental figures that are carrying these pressures that they're kind of you know, lovingly placing onto us um, unknowingly and that we get to like carry that as well. So then at the end of the day, when you kind of look at these numbers, it makes sense that we're collecting these pressures as we go through the world from different sources, you know, telling us what we're allowed to be, what we're not allowed to be. And 
however, right, we have one that's dominant. We all do. We have one that's like leading the show, that's like our most quick to access, but also we're carrying all the other ones and we get to let them all go. We don't have to be any of those things. We get to just be the truth of who we are any moment. And we don't have to just perform these these pressures in order to be worthy of acceptance and love and belonging. We get to just have that because we we're human and we deserve it. And like everybody's allowed to have that. Yeah, that makes so much sense about like why the entire book was really interesting to me. Like, of course, usually, especially as a four, whenever I get an Enneagram book, I flip right to the four mm -hmm. after, and I'm not really that interested in the others. Maybe I'll look at, mm -hmm. you know, my friends or, but I'm kind of like, I don't really relate. But the entire book was so beautiful to mm -hmm. read. And everyone, the Enneagram letters, each letter felt resonant to me. And, and that's why we all carry these burdens. One is probably more dominant. Um, you said, I think in the introduction, live not as your Enneagram type, but work toward expanding your definition of self as you come to terms with who you thought you had to be, which I absolutely love. You talk about the Enneagram being able to expand and you know give you more of yourself rather than limit you, which is just so beautiful. And every one of these chapters is kind of this like, just really tender um, journey through, you know, things that are so hard to talk about and, and so been acknowledged in ourselves and to read each one with so much compassion, um, really for me, put self-compassion back in self. <laughs> a lot of times when you're reading self-help, there might be a little pat on the back, like this is normal, but you need to change. <laughs> So this, I mean, reading this book was so gorgeous. And, uh, and I want to talk about the, the format of the book itself, because it really is so special. And like I said, the entire thing is, is well worth reading, even if you don't, um, you know, identify with a certain type. For me, it's like the one. That's <laughs> not quite my, not quite my, my own burden. But um, how did you choose the, the format of these beautiful poems and, and essays? I so so special every single one you're such a talented writer how did you yeah you know i hoped that this would I, okay when we study the enneagram typically we're doing it from like here up right it's like what is it how does it work how does it relate to me and other people we're like learning it as data um, and then that's, that is really cool and interesting and we get to share it with other people, but it's definitely like typically from here up and in community and in practice and through workshops, I think we can like integrate it. Right. But I hoped that this book would take us from here into here and like really help us to like get to the feeling part of ourselves first so that we can actually start to increase compassion for ourselves and others at more of that, like root space does that make sense like i think sometimes i can oh i'm a head type like the enneagram has like head types body types heart types i have like actually my type has no access to the heart center um and we operate from here up and in that space i can often cut off compassion through intellect intellectualization like thinking through it and just thinking that doesn't make sense why would you operate like that you know kind of cutting that off and through, through like 
working on feeling, working on understanding my feelings. And in that journey of allowing myself to be a feeler and allowing that to be okay, um, that has helped me so much in my compassion for self and my compassion for others. Because when I'm cutting off my access to feeling, right, I'm cutting off my access to understanding in a deeper way, what the pain that's there, the, the motivation, those fears, right? Like the internal compass of like what's causing us to behave the way we are. If I'm just looking at it as like, well, that's an illogical response, then I'm cutting, I'm doing that to myself, right? And then I'm doing that to other people as, as kind of an overflow of what I'm giving to myself. But if I can go in it and say like, whoa, what are you trying to do here? Like, what are you trying to protect? What do you feel like you have to be? What's like, you know, meeting that space with curiosity and empathy. Well, then that's going to be how I overflow into other people, right? So my hope is that the Enneagram letters like takes us into that space first and allows us a deeper um, physiological understanding, right, of why people do what they do because it's touching us in that feeling place. Uh, and my hope, right, like, and I think in everybody's hope who writes about themselves is that, like, my humanity will give you permission to understand and accept your humanity. And so, yeah, that's my deepest wish is that, like, as you, as I talk about, like, what I've experienced or what I've gone through or how I've reworked the way I think about things, that it can offer that compassion to yourself, which can ultimately offer more compassion to others. Today's podcast is brought to you by Issue. You created content and now it's time to post it on your website and share to Instagram and send to your contacts. But if posting your creation everywhere includes reformatting, resizing, redownloading, and re-uploading, you need Issue. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to flipbooks, brochures, and more. There's no need for endless scrolling through PDFs, Issue features your creativity and easy-to-view way on every device. Make it once and distribute it everywhere. Without reformatting, your content is already optimized for engagement and ready to share. And friends, I've said it before, I will say it again. If you are making content and you are not putting it everywhere that content can go, you are losing out on views. You need to be creating content putting it into different formats so that it can be seen as much as possible and Issue makes this so easy. Issue also works seamlessly with tools you already use like Canva, Dropbox, and InDesign. Issue helps creators, marketers, designers, and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. And you can start using Issue for free. They also offer premium features that I highly recommend, which do give you a more customized experience and personally I think are well worth the value. Get started with Issue today for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code COFFEE. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use promo code COFFEE at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code COFFEE. Thank you, Issue, for making this so much easier for us all. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think that really is the key missing in a lot of self-help is, is that feeling. You know, it's, it's all mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you get into our head. I, I know personally that I'm really getting into my ego when I'm fully in my head and not yeah. in my feelings. And then it's like, I'm just striving to do things for my ego. Like I want to <laughs> myself so that I can like feel superior <laughs> and feel like, you know, I've made it, I am perfect now. And that's not <laughs> what self is about. That's not what mm-hmm. uh, the Enneagram I think is such a tremendously tender and compassionate structure um and it's and you're really bringing it back to that as opposed to keeping it in that head place where it's like okay what's my my check marks that I have to do like appreciate the Monday blah 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 um god I just you know using the poetry I mean that's why poetry exists is is to to get us into that fully feeling place to are really hard to articulate otherwise. So you did such a good job in that. Um, I really love your, um, all of your writing, but really appreciated um, just the way that you could articulate your, yourself so well in these short essays. My favorite was um, in the four, this idea of using and instead of but, which is actually mm-hmm. thought about. And and I, I talk about this all the time that Gratitude is not an antidote to the ways that we're feeling mm. we're complaining. So very often, you know, if you're talking about your work or your home or something that you're you're blessed to have, but you know, there's issues there, you'll say like, uh, I'm having a really hard day, you know, something's had I might got a leak, we got a flood in the the house, whatever, but I'm so grateful to have it. That doesn't mm-hmm. really Work. It might work in what you're talking about, that head place. It's logical, but you don't really feel grateful. And you should feel it when you're when you're saying you're grateful. I think there should like an actual feeling there. It's almost mm-hmm. like to like say it. But you're saying replace the but with and. So put those feelings into a collection. I'm having a really hard time at work and I'm grateful to have work. You know, like I, that was such a trick I never thought about. And I just thought that was so well written. So thank you for doing that. Was thank great. you. Thanks. And I think like all of us, like, there's, we're idealists, right? Sevens, ones, and fours. Um, there's we three idealist types. And we love when things are just great. And we like, love, we can envision it. Like we can like pick it out in our brains, right? Like there's this perfect version of everything. And a lot of our work and a lot of our our journey is just allowing things to be frustrating and allowing ourselves to like them even when they're frustrating. And that's like, you know, every job sucks, every relationship sucks in some way. And just like allowing them to kind of be awesome and hard at the same time. And and I hope that that's what that essay kind of like touches on is just like, how do we hold both? How can we hold that like, this is just this beautiful thing. And sometimes it's hard. And, and that's okay. This is why I think you're 80,000 years old in <laughs> soul, because you already know that. It, it feels already like you've known that forever and you were just, you know, 
um, you just had to get to a place where you could share that with, with the world wise sentiment. And I felt like when I was reading um, that a lot of your stepmothering really, really came in because there were times where I felt like you really were talking to um, a child in the most beautiful way. And I could tell that, uh, how old's your stepson? He's 10. And I could feel like that, that tenderness and sweetness be in touch with either with your inner child or your stepson or your, you know, any, everyone's inner ch children. Um, you did such a good job on that. Thank Thanks. you. Um, I wanted to get into some kind of like gossipy fun questions about the writing, the writing process <laughs> for the Enneagram letters. What was the hardest type to write about? Mm, five. Like connecting to, if any. Mm -hmm. It would definitely be five. And it's not because I had a hard time connecting. It's that I think that they're fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a hard time, like, understanding their pressure as being too much to carry because it's, like, where I go when I'm the most rested. Like, we move. So seven moves to five when they're the most at ease and they feel the most safe. And so for me, all that five energy is positive, right? Like managing your energy levels, um, not, not um, you know, having boundaries, learning when to say no. It's like deep research into the things you're interested in. All of that is like good stuff for me to learn and practice. And so, yeah, the shadow side of that is obviously like isolation. It's um, kind of losing yourself in your work, maybe like having like, strained relationships because people don't know why you're going away and they think they're being rejected. Um, so there's definitely pain points there, but I had to try really hard to like believe them. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm like, of course you deserve privacy. Of course you deserve boundaries. Like, because most of us have to learn this stuff. We don't tend to do most, a lot of people don't tend to do it to the extreme where it limits their access to a lot of the good things in life too, but that is, I had to really try. Yes, try. I love that. That's, <laughs> it's a very cute image of you, like trying to see. <laughs> yeah, I know you're pain, but <laughs> we should all be so lucky. Um, <laughs> right out, was it, was it your type that was the easiest or was that in some ways harder because you had to kind of step outside of it? Shockingly, yeah, my type was definitely the easiest, even though my number is the most afraid of emotional pain. And it's actually, I think, the darkest chapter. Like, it's the most about grief and pain. And a lot of what is in the book, I actually wrote after the passing of my father. And, like, in, so I had written a lot of it just kind of to myself. Um, and I pulled from that and kind of obviously reworked it and made it more for the book. But, um, yeah, it was it's definitely easiest because it was, mostly written yeah um but it is it's like sevens are gonna i'm like oh no the sevens are gonna be mad because it is definitely the darkest i'm making you we're doing we're going in we're diving in going in but that's gonna be so helpful from that mm -hmm. and again like instead of writing it in the headspace really mm -hmm. from the heart which again mm -hmm. special thing about this book mm -hmm. um, you are called many things enneagram expert Enneagram queen, healer, writer, poet, interviewer. Is there any identity you really stepped into? Yeah, I think 
two, I would say the identity of writer. I wrote a book before, right? But it was very much, it was a head book, right? It's like, here's what the Enneagram is. Here's how to use it. Here's like step-by-step step how to grow. <laughs> um, and I love that book. And I think it's a great companion to this book, but this is the book I really wanted to write, right? Like this is the book that I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want to do this. And so it was, it was a vulnerable kind of claiming that space of writing more like in a poetic nature, writing more personal essays. Um, and that's definitely more of what I like to write more of what I want to write in the future. So I, yeah, I stepped into that and I think also like feeler, um, allowing myself to be seen as a feeler was like, who, like I am, I, I'm the kind of person who like, if I'm having a dark emotion, typically in my life younger would kind of just go have that emotion in the car and then come in and make your day better and just kind of be like, hi, you, you know, have a, I hope you're having a good day. And like, no one would ever know what I was like feeling or experiencing. I grew through that over the years, but I mean, this is like printed in paper. A lot of my pain, right? It's like printed in paper now, which you know, like you've been there, but it might be like, you know, it's less, it's less claiming that space of like, I have feelings and now everyone knows and it's, it's permanent. Um, <clears throat> it was exciting and vulnerable. Yeah. So Library of Congress, your feelings. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it is ad. Yeah, sense. Yeah. I love that you came into that identity. And I mean, I've read so much of your personal writing, um, how much of it you share on your, your public account, but um, or maybe both are public. You're you have a beautiful personal, I will say, that has a lot of your poetry, and you're such a natural poet. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you got an opportunity through the Enneagram letters to really show that to people and, um, and they're just going to resonate so much with it. I know you've already changed many lives through this book and it's have such a gift for that and such a gift to really kind of just like pierce through something so real and just put it on paper. It's like, you're almost like, get it and then you just put it right on paper it's uh it reminds me of mary oliver saying that um poems used to like chase her and then catch her in the field gardening and that's how it feels when i read your poem like oh my gosh you just channeled something like from and you do that with your essays too you're an incredible writer i hope you have a novel or poetry books uh percolating because you're really good at that and i'm so happy that you really stepped into those identities, feeling writer. Ab mm. um, so a couple more questions before we wrap up. I was curious, um, I mean, we've talked about your journey with the Enneagram and, and your identity as a seven, um, but briefly, before and after writing the Enneagram letters, how you personally described type seven before and after writing it? Like, did it Ooh. own like growth and understanding of, of your, your experience with your type seven? Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I think before writing the Enneagram letters, it definitely would have been, I would have thought of seven, right? Like I would have described it as, you know, afraid of negative emotion, seeking satisfaction, seeking like emotional highs um, and after, you know, I think 
a fun way to describe seven would be um, those on a grief journey. The, you know, it's like some types, I think every seven has, like their awakening often comes through grief, um, comes through this just inevitable thing that we all have to experience in our life. And it's kind of this opportunity for all sevens to really understand, like, it's just, I feel like it's chasing us, right? Like this sense of like, someday you have to pause and, and really get in there and like, let yourself grieve. And whether that's grieving the childhood you wish you had or grieving the day you wish you'd had, you know, or, or the true grief of like a loss of, of someone or something that really mattered to you, or maybe didn't and maybe hurt you and maybe still we have to grieve it. And that, that space of like, it's almost like a griever's journey. And yeah, I, that's kind of what the Enneagram letters awoke in me for the type seven is, is that inevitable relationship to grief. Wow. <laughs> that is I just, on a journey. That is so beautiful. And it's interesting when I was reading about the type four, you talked about like going into the mundane and I hadn't really mm -hmm. that as like, not just being comfortable with it. Like a lot of Enneagram books will say, oh, like enjoy the mundane. It's like, <laughs> I'll try, you know, but <laughs> about actually moving through it and, um, you know, like really meeting it. And, um, and I loved you, you wrote recently on your um, Instagram, a, a really great uh, little summary about fixed growth. And what's the other one? Growth, fixed mindset and growth mindset, fixed mind, fixed and growth mindset. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> written down here somewhere and the fixed mindset for the four is like I'm either going to be amazing or average when I start to do and if I'm not a prodigy I'm going to quit whereas the growth mindset is like actually meeting that mundanity like going through it in order to find like you know you becoming your own greatest cheerleader and competition like it's all about your own enjoyment of what you're doing it's all about your own pleasure and it's all about can personally learn from it it's not about validation of oh you're the most amazing you know recorder player I've ever met or whatever it's it's about you know moving through that sort of averageness in order to get treasure which is simply enjoying your own existence and it sounds oh you're talking about like going on that journey of grief actually is so transformative. So I love you know, all of the ways that we can use this book to go on our own personal journeys and maybe even on the journeys of the other types. Um, last question, how can we have self-compassion for ourselves when we are doing this sort of self-reflective work, which, you know, I kind of feel like the never-ending story <laughs> if, we, if we let ourselves get many types of self-help books how do we how do we cultivate that self-compassion while we're in this pretty deep intense work mm -hmm. yeah so I think this is a fun difference between the two books that I've written like in the first book I talk about curiosity over discipline mm -hmm. um, and in the second book I hope to mirror how that looks in myself for you so um curiosity over discipline, meaning oftentimes when we approach personal growth, it's like, 
I need to do this, 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 and this, and then I will be a good person or I will be worthy of belonging. And if we don't do that, you know, it's like we fall short and then we can fail at it and then we can be bad. Um, versus if we meet ourselves with curiosity, it's like, well, why am I choosing this path? Like, what is this offering me? What am I trying to get out of this behavior? And what would I rather have instead? And, you know, I use type nine as an example, because oftentimes type nine, we use the word um, lazy in the Enneagram, which I don't love. And, and we think about it through the lens of, okay, if I'm a nine, and I think I'm, I must be lazy, well, what are some things that make me look lazy? And maybe it's like, I wake up late. So I, I should wake up early in the morning. So we set an alarm. I'm going to set an alarm at five o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to be a person who gets up at five in the morning for no reason. Right. Just other than like, I just am supposed to, like, this is what, this is what disciplined people do. And so I'm supposed to do this thing. And so you set the alarm, you don't wake up. And then it's like, oh, I'm bad. I failed. On, a, on this completely arbitrary thing, right, that we think we're supposed to do, we're now failures at it. So then we're like discouraging ourselves, <laughs> we're like losing motivation, feeling worse, versus if we meet it with curiosity, and we go, what is it about me that makes me feel lazy? Like when they describe that, like, what do I see? Maybe I don't have like a ton of energy throughout the day. Um, maybe I'm feeling tired. Maybe I'd rather kind of scroll through Instagram than like do other things. What is that about? And then maybe what our nines would find is that in reality, they're giving so much of their energy to other people all day because they're, you know, people pleasing types who are so focused on everybody else's experience that they're ignoring their own. So maybe they're actually just like tired. And if they set some boundaries or maybe said no more often, or maybe prioritize things that like made them feel alive, they wouldn't have to numb out because they weren't so exhausted at the end of the day because they've put parameters around, right? And so and I think that that's where we can offer ourselves compassion because it's like, what are you trying to do here, buddy? Like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid? Like, like if I say, like, no to someone, what do I think is going to happen? And where did I learn that that could happen? And, you know, it just, it just invites us into a conversation around um, what we're trying to achieve and what we actually want instead versus I'm, I can pass or fail at this thing I'm trying to, like, make myself do. And in that, I hope the Enneagram letters, right, through through writing about how I've done this with myself and ways that I've explored this in myself, I hope that it kind of mirrors for you how I talk to myself and so that you can kind of pull some of that in and have some new ways of engaging because life isn't really about passing and failing, right? Like it's about, um, I hope for you, I want for you to have like this loving, tender relationship to who you are, where you get to be honored and respected and heard. And no matter who else is in your life, you know that like at the end of the day, it's me and me. And like, I better be good to that, right? Like I better allow that to be a good space because this is the most intimate, potentially loving relationship I have access to. And we cut that off so often with just strict structure that we think we're supposed to follow because the internet told us to and because someone had a good marketing plan and that told us that there's something wrong with us that they can fix through discipline and structure when actually maybe it's an invitation into just further compassion and further information into like what we're trying to accomplish there does that make sense <laughs> beautiful i 
I mean, so much is, is coming up for me, but that was so beautifully articulated. I don't want to distract from how profound that, that glorious speech was. Thank you for saying that. That actually clarified so many things for me. Um, yes, everyone, please, when we're doing self-help work, self-reflection work, it's ultimately supposed to get us into a really good, intimate, loving relationship with ourselves, right? It's not about, um, you know, like a slap on the wrist because we didn't get we didn't do our morning routine like (laughs) routine if not to like make you happier about your day if you don't like it don't do it um (laughs) thank you sarah jane the enneagram letters it is such a beautiful such a special book um everyone please look through sarah jane's amazing instagram feed to learn more about the enneagram and she has her book in the link in bio where else but i'll (laughs) wherever you get your books the Enneagram letters buy it for everyone you know good holiday gift especially for those who think might be either a little too excited about self-help or maybe not excited enough um (laughs) gentle gentle gift there thank you for sharing your beautiful beautiful and thank you for inviting me to do this it is always like pure joy in the most like full sense of the word to get to see you and spend time thank you thank you it's so good to see you Bye. bye seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s with new chapters added every week the excitement never ends download june's journey now on your android or ios device or play on pc through facebook games